Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Thank you so much for tuning in today to All Together. I hope it's been an amazing worship experience for you. And so, let's continue it. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm 130. Whether you have a physical Bible or an electronic Bible, that's great. If you don't have a piece of God's Word in front of you, we're going to put it on the screen. Have no fear. You are with us, and we're glad you're here. But in Psalm 130, we want to raise the thought for your consideration, hope in you. This is, again, from the series that we're walking through this month called The Soundtrack of God. And we're looking at a different psalm each week. So people always say, you know, what's up? That's a greeting, right? Hello, that's a greeting. Bonjour, that's a greeting. But if somebody was to come up to you right now and ask you, How is your heart? What would be your answer? What are you feeling? What are you mad at? What have you been let down by? How is your heart? You see, that's a very deep question because inside our hearts, are our secrets. There are concerns. There are fears. Our hearts reveal our desires. The desires that we don't tell anybody, but you know, inside our hearts is also the pain of when we wanted things to work out, but it didn't. The pain that when we wanted a boo, but the boo turned out to just be bad. Mm-hmm. Inside our hearts are our true, uncensored feelings about ourselves and everything else in between. You see, friends, to speak from the heart is knowledge, again, that is raw. It's uncensored. There's no mask. It's just us. When is the last time, however, that you've communicated from your heart? To God. No mask, no titles, nothing else, just you, your unadulterated self to God. Friends, we're going to learn how to do that today because in Psalm 130, the psalmist is crying out from the depth of his heart. He's sharing that his internal and external hope is in God despite the crap he's going through. For all of us who know we are far from perfect, who knows that we don't have it all together, who knows that we can always stand for the help of God, this psalm, Psalm 130, it validates for us that although we may be a hot mess, (laughs) our hope is and always is in the mercy of God. Friends, this psalm is a prayer for help. 
This, too, is a psalm in the collection of pilgrim psalms. But it focuses on the internal experience of the psalmist. The psalmist has been fighting some type of internal battle. We really don't know exactly what it is, but the psalmist right here is desperate, is really in need of the help that can only come from God, which is why this psalm begins full of passion, literally singing in word form a petition for God's forgiving love. See, a petition is a formal request for something. It's like, God, can I have your help? Can I have it right now? That's a petition. And within Psalm 130, especially in verses 1 through 4, we notice the psalmist making a formal request for the forgiving love of God. Listen to this passionate plea, beginning at verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you. Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Hearing these words, notice how the psalmist is asking twice in verse 2 for the Lord to listen to his petition for forgiveness. Twice he's saying, God, I need you. Hey, God, you there? I really need you. This cry for the mercy of God is filled with the blatant evidence of despair. The psalmist has lost hope, and he's asking God to equip him with hope in a situation that seems hopeless. But I got to caution you here because I want to say this to you, and I'm going to say it twice. Finding ourselves in the depths of despair is a dangerous place to be. I'll say it again. Finding ourselves in the depths of despair is a dangerous place to be. Why? Because it's in the pit of despair where destructive voices become louder. It's in the pit of despair where self-pity actually prevails. See, in the trap of despair, we question our existence. In the trap of despair, we're so trapped into believing that our problems are permanent and that our pain is actually satisfaction to everybody who sees us struggling. It's in the pit of despair where you actually believe that things will always be like this. Again, I tell you that finding yourself in the depths of despair is quite dangerous, friends, because you don't believe God has a promise that applies to you. It's in the depths of despair where you don't believe that God actually loves you. He actually feels like God has forsaken or forgotten about you. But in the, de- in the bit of despair that we hear right here from the text, the worst method of operation is actually to throw yourself a pity party. The worst method of operation in despair is actually to feel sorry for yourself. Because as you throw this pity party, you can easily find yourself saying and doing anything destructive. Friends, the psalmist shows us that when we feel hopeless, when we feel like we're flirting with despair, we don't need to throw a pity party. We don't need to sit around here and wallow in despair. But in fact, the remedy for this, the antidote for this situation is actually for us to cry out to God passionately. 
It's in despair that the psalmist pushed and pressed and prodded his way, asking God, God, will you help me? In challenging, in tough, and in rough times, this is when confession to God gives us hope and says, God, please come into my situation. It's when you say, God, things ain't working out. I need you. Even full of emotion, even full of anger, even full of frustration, do not wallow in despair. But tell God what's troubling your heart. The psalmist here shows us how to do it because the psalmist is asking for God's forgiveness. But we hear the guilt from the text. It's communicated right there in verse 3 as the psalmist says, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? This expression shows us that sin is evident or that sin has taken place. This psalmist needs forgiveness. But... Don't judge the psalmist, because we all, at some point in our day, some point in our lives, need forgiveness. See, friends, we have the constant tendency to think wrong thoughts. We have the constant tendency to say wrong things. We have the constant tendency to people watch and say, mm, what do they have on today? And when we do this, we need to ask God for forgiveness. Friends, as we listen to this passionate plea for forgiveness, we have to reflect on ourselves. When's the last time that you actually asked God to forgive you? When's the last time that you've actually said something you did wrong and asked God or a person for forgiveness? We don't like to do that often. We may not ask for it, but we definitely and desperately stand in the need of forgiveness quite often. The reason why is because we have a big relationship with a big S word called sin. Hmm. Friends, the psalmist teaches us that when we sin, when we find ourselves in any type of despair, when we find ourselves making the mistakes of life, which all of us will do, don't wallow in despair, but cry out to God. This psalmist is passionately asking God, will you forgive me for my sin? And this week, let's start today. Let's ask God, pick out one of our wrongs and let's ask God, will you forgive me for that? I want you not only to ask God for it, but ask a person for it. Hey, I wronged you. Will you forgive me for what I said? Maybe or what I did? See, this keeps us humble. But guess what? It also provides unity, which is so important and needed in our world today. We see a petition for God's forgiving love, but the hope in God that we should notice is found right here in verses 5 through 8. And we see that even in despair, the psalmist is waiting in hope for God to move. Listen to what the psalmist sings. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Hmm. Hear that? Hmm. As this psalmist 
has clearly messed up, y'all. He has clearly sinned, and he's not asking Ayala to fix his life. In fact, he's asking God to fix his life. Instead, he's saying, you know what, I'm not going to put my hand on it because I don't know about y'all, but sometimes God has a way of taking his time and moving at a turtle's pace sometimes when I be asking him for stuff, and I'm sure you've been there too, where you're asking God for a blessing, and he's like, Okay, I'm coming. Well, guess what? See, that's when Josh commits his sin by putting his hands on it. Mm. Maybe you like me where you sometimes put your hand on a situation where the Lord is saying, get your hands off of that. Friends, we need to learn how to do like what this psalmist did. The psalmist says, I will wait on you. He's waiting in hope that God will move. And in verse 6, notice with me, however, even though he's waiting, that doesn't mean that he's not impatient. I won't say that again. Even though this brother is waiting, it does not mean that he is not impatient. Look at what it says in verse 6. You see a repetition that happens. Verse 6, he says, my soul waits for the Lord. That's the good part. More than those who watch for the morning. I'm going to say it again, more than those who watch for the morning. Friends, that's not the DJ scratching the record. That's this brother singing, saying, God, I'm going to repeat this because I need for you to really, really, really hear me. (laughs) He's doing this for emphasis, y'all, because he's saying, God, I don't need you nine days from now. I don't need you 10 days from now, but I need you right now. And when he says more than those who watch for the morning, He's describing an ancient watchman. You see, ancient watchmen were very important to ancient cities. They looked out for the city. They let everyone know if they were in danger or if any threat happened to be near them. See, if anything ever happened, they would just sound the alarm in a ram's horn, and you knew to get up out your bed, get up out of there, and get ready and try to be protected because danger is here. But the watchman, he had a lonely job. It was quite isolating, but it was an important job. The watchman waited. If the watchman had a job description, this is what it would say. Have a ram's horn. If any danger comes, blow it. Oh, but guess what? Wait. And it would be like 50 pages that just say wait. (laughs) This was the job. And the psalmist in Psalm 130 is waiting like the watchman, but saying, hey, this is isolating. I'm waiting. This is lonely. I'm waiting. This is frustrating. God, I'm waiting, and I need your mercy right now. He's saying, God, I really need to see your love. I need to witness your provision. I need to view your forgiveness. I need to look at your hope. The psalmist is hoping that in his mistakes, God will provide hope in some form to cause his life to become better. I've been there before. Well, I needed my life to be better. That I needed it to be better right now. Maybe you've been there recently where you've been waiting on God and you feel lonely and you feel isolated. You feel like better is not coming. I want to tell you that it is. You may want some hope. I want to tell you it's on the way. You may crave some relief. I want to tell you, I promise I'm not lying to you, it's coming. If you've ever wanted better, then you are able to relate to this psalmist right now. 
Because here I got the psalmist, he's in deep water, y'all. We don't know if this is the water of an ocean or if it's a flood surrounding him, but we know that the psalmist is experiencing life-threatening danger. The psalmist in this psalm is lamenting over the sin that he's committed. He's confessing his sin, and now he says, God, if there's anyone who can direct me from shame to the Savior, it's you. Hmm. This is why the psalmist says, I will wait like a watchman for your steadfast love. I will wait like a watchman for your redemption. And he wants all of Israel to place their full hope in the Lord. Why? Because God is not only love, but God is hope. Listen to what verse 7 and 8 remind us of. It says, Israel, this is the psalmist, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. He's telling them that you can't mess up enough (laughs) that God's love would run away from you. He says that you can't say the wrong thing enough that God's love will not cover you. He's telling them that Israel, yes, you jacked up. Yes, Israel, you made a lot of mistakes. But God is love and God is hope. See, speaking of God, we hear trust in the unfailing love of God in this psalm. We notice the reliance on the redemption of God and hope, which when given by God can change all of our lives for the better. Friends, I want you to know something, that hope and reliance go hand in hand. See, when you Think about hope and reliance going hand in hand. I want you to think about a bed for a moment. Now, I like my bed. (laughs) I get a lot of sleep there sometimes. And I pray you do too. They say we're supposed to get six to eight hours, and I try to get more than that. Okay? Amen. (laughs) But when you lie on a bed, you never think about if the bed can really hold you up through the night, do you? normally we just run to the bed and fully lay down on a mattress for hours with the hope that as we toss and turn and change directions, this bed and this mattress will not fail and will in fact hold us up through the night. We trust the bed. We rely on this mattress, believing it's got us. But think about that. We trust a mattress full of foam and springs. We trust a bed with a comforter, a sheet, and maybe some foam in it. (laughs) But we have a hard time trusting a God who is for us and who is among us. (laughs) The way that we run to our beds with blind trust for the purpose of sleeping is the way that we should run faster to God in full reliance for the hope that God gives. Friends, as we fully trust in God, you got to understand that God specializes in helping others persevere no matter the experience. As life changes, God goes with us. As life, as the journey continues, God endures with us. Friends, we may toss, we may turn, we may change environments, but God is hope-filled, ready to dispense his hope to us wherever we may be in our life's journey. As these believers in Psalm 130, they're traveling up to Jerusalem in this song of ascent 
ready to worship, God is with them. Friends, as we continue in our journey through life, God is with us. And wherever you may find yourself in your respective journey, open your heart. Fully rely on God and watch God dismiss his hope no matter your situation. Let's pray. God in heaven, we are so thankful that you are love. But we are so thankful that you are hope. God, somebody watching this may need some hope. And we pray for them at this time that, God, you would dispense your hope to your child or your children. I lift up that man, that woman, that boy or that girl who may not have a relationship with you. May you move in their heart right now. Hear our prayer, O Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, in verse 8 of Psalm 130, it tells us that God will redeem us. You have to understand and know today that God has redeemed us by sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. He didn't die for one person. He died for the sins of humanity. And so, friends, I come to you right now saying that if by chance you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want a relationship with Jesus, you can accept Christ into your heart from right where you are. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's repeat this prayer and open up our hearts to Jesus. Let's pray. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of God's love. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And I confess that Christ is the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you've just prayed that prayer, we're excited. That's a jump start beginning to your journey with Jesus. But maybe you prayed that prayer and you want to know, okay, what's next? Because this is a marathon and it's definitely not a sprint. Well, friends, you need somebody to walk with you. You need somebody to talk with you and help you and get in relationship with you. And we want to be that here. We offer that here at Second Punts. So, friends, maybe you prayed that prayer or you have any other prayer requests, feel free to give us an email. Send us one at altogether at spdl.org. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, Come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.